Hello and welcome to the Simplicity of Happiness, When More is Too Much. This podcast offers tips and techniques for a better life. And before we start with another episode of the Simplicity of Happiness podcast, I would like to remind you that you can find out all about me and my thoughts on simplicityofhappiness.com as well as Patreon, where I am providing extra content for all of you who support me and the education of children in Africa. And now relax and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Simplicity of Happiness podcast. And um, I'm super proud and happy that I have a guest who never appeared on the English show so far. Well, some of you might know that um, a long time ago, I think it was around 2014, I started this show as a German podcast. And I had a co-host, friend, and somebody who well, somehow forced me into this. And um, well, he's my guest today, Anthony James Owen. Hello, Tony. Hello, Flo. <laughs> well, we, we are talking so often uh, these days uh, since Corona. We, uh, we don't have travel time anymore. So we started a mastermind and uh, are writing on a book. So this is something absolutely not unusual for the two of us. And um, since you have an, an English-speaking background, I thought it's about time um, that we talk about, about you on the show. Okay. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. That's perfect. Um, there, there is a ton that we could talk about. And um, Tony, you have been an, an inspiration to me um, and, and a mentor in a lot of challenging situations for myself. Um, and I always valued and value your opinion. And I think <laughs> that it might be partially um, because you have some learnings and some lessons that most of us in the Western world read about but uh, never had by themselves. You used to live in a Zen monastery and not around the corner in Japan and in Japanese. How did that happen? Oh, yes. So uh, first of all, I learned about meditation when I was probably five and a half or six years old. Uh, I, I started, my sister, she was a judo, uh, a judo uh, practitioner, and she took me to the judo class, and I hated it. I was five years old, and I was always thrown to the ground, and I didn't like it, so... Um, at least, at least for the first 10, 15 years of my martial arts experience, I didn't like judo. And so, um, I was on the, on the brink on stopping it. And I talked with the instructor and he said, okay, yeah, I get it. You, you are a small, small, small boy. Um, but I have a, I have a karate class. And you know, this was 1968. Honestly, nobody knows at this time, nobody knew what, what karate was. So he said, we have a karate class and you can come to this class 
and you will be the only kid, but you know, we will do it Joe, anyway. And so uh, I said, yeah, why not? Better than <laughs> being thrown, on the be thrown around. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I went to the karate class and, and started my karate education. And, and almost from day one, my, my trainer, my uh, sensei told me, and he was the first German being educated from Japanese people in Japan. So, mm -hmm. so he was, was probably one of the few people in the 60s being educated and trained by Japanese uh, to, to his black belt, to get his black belt. And so he said in the beginning of every class, we sat down and we meditated. So before we did any, anything else, we meditated. And so my, my, my introduction to meditation was at a very, very young age. And it was a very easy meditation we did. Just did a, a breathing meditation. So you breathe in, you count one, you breathe out, you count two. Mm -hmm. And then at 10, you start it all over. If you don't mess up till 10. So, and so, <laughs> so this was the beginning. So I was, I was, um, starting meditating without any background. It was nothing, we're not talking about religion or, or what, it, what it will make or change in you or with you or what it will transform you to. It was just a part of the practice before we do any, uh, any it was like a separator from school, for example, coming out mm -hmm. of school as a boy or for the, for the adult people coming from work. So whether it was a separator to the training classes. So and then at the beginning and at the end, we had a very short meditation practice. So um, I, I learned just this breathing meditation and that was the beginning. And, and it took me a couple of years later uh, to, to get the background of, of Zazen, the sitting meditation, which is called Zen in the West. Uh, to learn there was Buddha and all these, you know, mm -hmm. stories about this guy uh, bringing meditation to the world and changing changing his his um, destiny by by learning mm -hmm. to meditate and stopping the circle of dying and rebirth and everything and pain and 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 so in the world. So it was maybe ten years later than I was was getting into that. So in the beginning was just the practice. And so there was no intellectual work with meditation. It was more sit down and do it. Okay. No, mm -hmm. no fussing around, thinking or whatever, sit down, do it. Right. So, which is a very good practice on, on meditation. So sit on your. Yeah. What, what, what is there? Is there anything more important than sitting down and doing it? Uh, in to a meditation? Way, no, in a way, no. The the funny part is that that meditation in itself is is a very hard practice and a very a very easy one at the same time. So mm -hmm. uh, most people can sit down and watch TV for six hours, so they have no problems with that. And so uh, and and if you say, can you have a meditation practice for ten minutes? They go, oh no, I can't sit down for ten minutes. But you know mm. they can do it for hours on on front of the TV. So so it's very hard because our mind is always running. So people are thinking, I'm thinking. You're sitting down. You want to meditate, and then you have all this 
oh, I have to do this. I have, oh, I forgot that. I, I need to, to buy milk or whatever. So you're always thinking. And, and meditation is, is helping you to slow down for a brief moment in the meditation session to non-thinking. So mm-hmm. it's not that you will stop it. So it will stop when you're dead. But as long as you're alive, you will think. So, so, but it will slow down you and give you some moments on transcendence, some moment of quietness without you getting it that you're thinking, or maybe you're not thinking for a couple of seconds, maybe. And so, um, I, I always compare with a with a with two things. One is a little bit like sleeping. So. Mm-hmm. Before you sleep, the moment you're awake, but before you fall asleep, so you're there, but you're not there, you know. And sometimes mm-hmm. meditation is like that, and uh, and you feel f- as fresh as you will after sleeping for uh, go have a good night's sleep. So so it will refresh your your body okay. and your mind. But it's not it's not what you aim for. It's it's nothing that you get. You know, it's not like a pill or something. You you just you just mm-hmm. sit down and meditate. It will make your life a little different in the long run. Okay. Well, so what happened? Well, what happened after? <laughs> what happened? Thing? What happened in between Japan and that five-year-old boy? Yes. So I I had a had a very um, maybe because I was one of the first people learning karate. Uh, in, in 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 Germany, and then later, in, uh, my father was with the military, so we traveled around. But but uh, as a family. But in this time, I I studied karate, and it was some something which I liked. I liked the 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 very. It's a very simple way of doing it. So nothing else, but just the gi. So just your. You, the thing you put on it's it's like a working clothes it looks like working clothes for the japanese people so it's just a very simple dress you put on and uh it's just hands and feet that's all you have so it's your you you need nothing else right so you have just mm-hmm. just this and so it's a very simple way of of a martial art it's it's as meditation it's not simple but in a way it's simple right? so mm-hmm. so um so and I I studied karate and and I became pretty well. I was not good in in the in the more formal parts of it like the kata, which is which is a very formal strict routine of of, of uh, movements which you do. And I was good enough for all the passing of the grades to get a better belt, but but not good in a terms of a competitor on that. I was good in fighting karate, so I was a good, mm-hmm. good competitor in in the in the kumite part of karate. Uh, which is the fighting between two two uh, competitors, and and so um, when I was thirteen, I was in a way adopted from the from the national coach of Germany at this time, which mm-hmm. was as in all countries outside of Japan a Japanese instructor. So this was their main strategy from the Japanese uh, karate people to to have. On top of the national system, always the mm-hmm. national coach being a Japanese mm-hmm. a Japanese trainer. So you always have this Japanese guy, and and they were connected, of course, with their Japanese headquarters, if you want to, and they were um, talking uh, talking back to the Japanese people, 
in Japan and saying, uh, we have seen some good people, some good, some good karate cars, and you could, uh, uh, and they, they have, um, they had a program when, uh, they sent you the 10 best people in Europe were sent to Japan. Uh, mm-hmm. roughly at, uh, most of them were between 17 and, and 18 years old at this time. So I was one of the, one of the 10 guys, uh, being sent over. And so, uh, from, from my family, we were three children. And, and so we couldn't have afforded sending me over to Japan. It was, would have been too expensive. So the only way to get there was they invited you to come. Right. So they invited Mm -hmm. me for, for one year, uh, apprenticeship, if you want to. to, Which year was that? Um, 1980. Is that mm-hmm. right? Oh, Maybe. No, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, I can't recall that year. 80. Yes, 80. Okay. 40 years ago. <laughs> and where, uh, where did you go? <laughs> uh, the first, the first stop of the, of my, my destination was Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So, so I went from, from Germany to Tokyo and I went to an English Japanese school. So it was mainly an English school to, to finish my education. And we had Japanese classes, but as you can imagine, it's a, it's a very difficult language in a way. So I, at this time I did spoke well enough to buy food and say hello and chit chat and have a girlfriend and all that stuff. What you, what you have as a young boy as a teenager, but not good enough to have philosophical discussions with anybody, right? So it's more mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. <laughs> So I went to Japan and did I you know had... any did you know any Japanese before? No. Uh, just the that's the ones you need for the training sessions. So all ah, commands okay. mm-hmm. in karate are Japanese. So if you count it's each Nissan one, two, three it's you always do it the, all okay. the all the terms and and, and uh, what what the what kind of uh, attack or block you use as in Japanese but but it's not that you really be able to speak it's just it's a very special no, uh, vocabulary mm-hmm. for that and so um, I did learn some at this time not so bad good enough to 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 go out and buy life. Okay. Yeah. So, so much, yes. And uh, we had an international school and we had some Japanese lessons, but 80, 90% of the classes were in English. So, so I just mm-hmm. had my, my formal education uh, to finish my formal education in Japan so far. And uh, I, went, I went to karate classes two times a day, very early in the morning, five o'clock. Before school. Before school, one class, and another class after school. So we mm-hmm. were invited by the Japanese Karate Association, which is the World Association for Karate, and so they um, they expected us, uh, of course, to to train a lot. So we tra- mm-hmm. we, had, we had training sessions six to seven times, a, uh, uh, six to seven days a week, almost any day, and uh, we had. We had two training sessions a day, so so we had a lot of training. So. Mm-hmm. 
and and then you're at school and then you're training and that's it you know you so so uh, it was funny and at this time in in japan if you if you go to to tokyo today uh you will see a, of course foreigners so people traveling from other countries you will see a uh not not a lot it's not that 10% of the people running around maybe in tokyo 5% of the people are foreigners and tourists and and stuff and at the time when i traveled there in the 80s almost none uh, was was a foreigner so you 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 didn't see any foreigners at all so they you will always be this crazy foreigner for them right so <laughs> and and i i i was lucky enough that the the karate teacher my sensei in japan he in a way adopted me like a son he, for whatever reason mm-hmm. from the 10 people being sent over he liked me from the beginning and said uh you will come into my home and you will stay all, all, we were all put into families which was very unusual in japan normally you wouldn't get into a family mm-hmm. uh, so we we were put into families and i was put in the sensei's family so his wife and he himself he, he t- took me in in their home and i had uh i didn't know that it was special so so I had no clue that it's very unusual. We we all didn't have any idea that it's very unusual to put uh, children or other people, no matter what, whom, into your own home. So, uh, but anyway, we didn't know that. So we were part of the of the house life of these Japanese people, and 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 he asked me about what I'm interested in. And now I'm a long sorry for that long introduction, but then it moved me. From from Tokyo to a small city on the coast, which is 50 minutes by train from Tokyo, 45, 50 minutes. So, uh, mm-hmm. which in Japan is a short distance because it's so big. Tokyo is so big. So if you go 50 minutes, it's nothing. And this is a small town called Kamakura. And Kamakura, if if you ever will make it to Japan, is one of the most beautiful small one of the plenty beautiful cities small villages or whatever you call it small towns in japan and it's it's in a way what you think japan will look like so it's 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 these temples and and um, another temple and another one and another one so you will see a lot of temples and 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 so it's it's on the coast it's a very it's a very small small town especially for japanese people and um it was for a very short time in the history of japan was was a um was this the government capital of japan before mm-hmm. it came back to edo so <clears throat> to tokyo so these um small city was was and is the home of one of the of the main temple of the Den Buddhism. My karate sensei knew the the running Zen teacher in Kamakura. And he called this guy in Japanese and said, I have this young fellow 
and he would love to know more about Zen. And uh, could you put this guy into your monastery for six months? So all of this and, was during the first year of your stay in Japan, when you were so when you were supposed to go to Japan to learn karate on a sponsorship by the yes. Japanese well, karate association. My karate, yes, yes. Well, perfect, yes, of course. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and you you used to live at the Zen, no, at the karate master teacher's house. Yes, and he for, asked for you what you really want. No, what, what was part, your... you know? He asked me always, "What do you want to see? What is interesting for yeah. you?" Uh, and and of course, it doesn't mean you you will, will stop t uh, having your karate lessons, no matter what you do, right? But but at least, what else would you want want to see? So so. Um, and what did you say? Did you say I want to see Kamakura, or did oh. you see a? No, I didn't. I didn't. At this time, I didn't know anything about Kamakura in terms of of uh, what it is. Uh, it's it's my one of my favorite spots still, maybe because yeah. of my experience there. But it's still one of the most valuable spots I always visit if I'm in Japan. So if I this is this is one small city which I always go. But maybe it's something like you always go to your hometown if you're not living there. You know. When you go back to your main country, and in a way, I was always, I always loved Japan because of this karate and this, mm -hmm. this mystical, you know, fantasy world of, of samurai and all that, right? So, and and uh, so he he my 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 sensei he sent me over to to his friend to this to to the. Yeah. Uh, Uh, to the guy who was running the the monastery, and uh, I I had I was was in contact with him for more than thirty years after leaving Japan with both of them, and uh, they died. So uh, both were somewhere in the nineties when. When when they died, and I I have contact with their successors still, so um, I I so I had a very 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 friendly connection with these two men, and so he, I I was going to Kamakura without knowing what it was. Is it a big town? Is it just a temple? Is it in the mountains? I didn't know anything because at this time, you know, it's 40 years ago. There was not so much. You maybe maybe there was, but but it's not like today where you can. We had no internet, so we you couldn't look up anything. Mm -hmm. You had no Google Maps. So when I was writing, when I was calling my family at home, which you couldn't easily because nobody had a phone. But if you had a phone at home, you called your family. It was I don't know. 20 euros a second or a minute or so. Mm -hmm. It was so expensive that you couldn't. So you, you, uh, I was, I was writing airmail letters, and they took three and a half weeks to get there. So you write in November for your family and, and to Christmas. So because it's so long, the distance was so so long. Even airmail mm -hmm. took forever. So, 
So uh, I was writing letters, and, and you didn't have Skype and FaceTime and, and Zoom or anything. <laughs> so, so you had your family on the phone once every quarter, and you were really on your own. So, mm-hmm. and I, I was sent to 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 this close uh, to this monastery to the to the to the guys to the monks, and uh, you know, we my my Japanese is not good enough for for most of the stuff at this time, and still isn't. So. So I was, I, I was, we were just being communicating body language, uh, looking what people were doing and trying to imitate, right? And so they they took me in and they did what they do. They're not big talkers, so you don't have, have any issues with that because they meditate, they're just quiet. So so most of the time they're just working and doing their stuff without any uh, interruption. And so what did I do? I went in and just tried hum- as humble as possible just to learn, to be open enough and just see what they're doing and and um, enjoy the experience of, of, of being there. And so the, the monastery is a very, very old temple. It's a big one. It's a big, big area. And um, it's still in operation. I believe it's a couple of hundred years old. And so... Um, a part of it is open for the public, so you can walk in. If you if you go to Kamakura, you can just buy a ticket and, and go into the public areas of the monastery. And then they have this non-public areas where the monks live and, and work and, and uh, meditate and study. And so this is exactly what you learn, right? So uh, I was, I, I had my own small room and uh, I just got this, the monks dress and you know they they cut your hair down to your length <laughs> of hair mm-hmm. no hair <laughs> so you look more a monk than I do and then uh, then you get your routine uh, which uh, which is one part what you learn you know maybe it's interesting for people to know what what will you learn in a, in a monastery uh, and yeah, there are some things which you can learn one is they have a daily routine. The day is very structured. So there, there, is a, uh, there is a time when you will be up, and it's very early. So 4.30, 4 o'clock, depending on, on the time of the year. And in this routine, you have sessions of meditating and working, always changing. No, changing the, the the session from working to meditating to working to to meditating, and the structure is in normal work days is always the same. So if if you have if you have you have most of the time of the year, you you have the same day structure than you have the day before. So it's always the same day. So it's a habit. Of, of anything, so you wake up at the same time. You do your meditation session in the morning. You have your some some monasteries do breakfast if you want to call that. So it's a little bit like I don't know um, some some rice cooked in water. I don't know. So it's, mm-hmm. so it's more uh, kongi they call it in, in Chinese. So it's it's something something um, you eat if or not. Some some just have tea in the morning. That's it. 
then they have their, uh, they're all vegetarians. So they, they only eat plants. And um, so they, and they do it because they value the life of anything so much that they will not kill an animal for eating. So, so they eat plants because we have to eat something, but the the pain it or the bad karma it introduced in their lives is smaller if they eat vegetarian food. So that's the reason they eat vegetarian food as long as they are um, uh, growing it on their own monastery. And so in the monastery you have you have fields where they where they work on their own vegetables, and and they collect. Um, Food from which is part of of um, of the tradition to go out and and beg for food, and this is what you do. So part of part of the routine is is getting outside of the monastery, go into the city or in the whatever village or whatever wherever you live, and begging for food and say, uh, please give us food. So it's it's and then you eat everything which will be put in your bowl. So if this is chicken, you eat chicken. You know, so it's not as long as they can control it in terms of doing it on their own, they eat vegetarian food. If they collect food and somebody, which probably no Japanese person would do, but somebody put fish or chicken or something in your bowl, then you you will not throw it away. You will eat it. And it will cook all together. So if this on on the days when they're begging food, which is not because they need to beg for food, it's just to make themselves humble. So 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 do even if this is a rich monastery because they maybe are famous for their temple or whatever, and they have a lot of tourists coming in and they have a lot of money, they will always beg for food outside of the temple because of the tradition. So we have a routine and some days you go out and you beg for food. And it's funny because you get this, this Japanese hat, which is, uh, which is a, something like, a, looks like a very big bowl, so a flat mm -hmm. big bowl and uh, a bamboo hood uh, hat. And, and this hat is, is uh, for a Japanese person and their size, if you put it on, you can't see the face. So you're not knowing which one you, if you, if you give food, which monk will get it? You will just see the monk as an ideal thing, right? mm -hmm. not as a human being it is. But if you are Tony. A European, <laughs> and you are European and being six feet three, uh, so uh, I put on the thing, it doesn't help. Everybody, every small Japanese person, of course, could see my face. So it was, double, it was so funny because, because first of all, you're a, a, a weird looking foreigner in a, in a, in a monk's dress, having this mm -hmm. bamboo thing on top of your head and asking for food. And so they were always laughing, which is very unusual for Japanese people, but they were, they, they were always be very amused about myself begging for food and, and with the other monks, of course, together. And so uh, if, you, if you get money, you give it back to, to uh, the temple. And the temple is using the money for if it is money you get um, for buying some food like rice, which you couldn't grow yourself uh, in most temples, or to 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 buy some stuff. But 
any money which is left, as, as in always all religious traditions, is, <clears throat> is used to help people who have nothing. So they mm-hmm. they use money for, for other people. It's not to enrich themselves. They, they don't they don't have anything. So, so they just have their stuff. I, I would like to go I would like to go back um, just a little bit. You said that um, you were recommended to the temple and from that moment on you you started to live in the temple as well or did yes. you stay at your no I lived in the okay, temple so you lived it and uh, did you still <coughs> excuse me did you still do um, karate yes so you had to go to and yeah. no no i didn't have to no no i didn't need to to go back to tokyo uh, this wouldn't be possible because of you would you would need um, one hour to start at 4:30 yeah. then go you couldn't make it so i had a local karate dojo in karakuma and uh, and went there for the time being in the temple and mm-hmm. and um for the and first was, week yes and, and the first week that you that you lived in uh how do you say it correctly kamakura kamakura mm-hmm. kula the kula. first week kula. Kula. Kamakura. Kura. Yeah. kamakura could be could be could be uh could be somehow arabic as well so uh, the first week that you lived there what was the strangest thing to you uh you know it, in this area of japan it's hot most of the time humid and all that but i was in the monastery in winter which is not very cold mm-hmm. in this part of the of the country but cold enough and the monastery is not really heated i was freezing feel freezing to death was so cold <laughs> you couldn't imagine uh being used to air air conditioned or or heated environment now having having an unheated room which i had in berlin too don't get me wrong i was used to cold but but not to this kind of cold so it was very cold and and the the most devastating thing was for japanese people And and even in karate classes, it's quite normal to 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 have no chair, to to sit on the ground, to kneel all the time, to sit on your knees. And mm-hmm. it's okay if you do it in a karate class for 10, 15 minutes. There's an instruction, and you sit on your knees, and everybody is is doing something, and you get up and do again. But in 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 a monastery, you you sit uh, you sit on the ground for hours. And it's so painful because you know your legs. You're not used to it, and it's uh, th- so. The biggest part of the of the first couple of weeks, I was I was uh, coping with my inability to handle the pain of of sitting <laughs> sitting there without without a chair or a sofa or something, right? So it was a lot of physical pain to endure, which is not. So tough for a karate student, but but it's very difficult to to kneel for hours and hours in in one. Mm-hmm. And so this was hard. The other thing was um, not for the first time, even in Japan, being in Japan, having a little little knowing of of the language. Um, 
you really get get thrown back to your own personality, to your own. You, you're always being alone in a way. You know what I mean? So so you have, just have this few minutes. It's not that people don't want to talk with you or they're not talking with you or they don't like you or something, but it's uh, almost all, all signs at this time were completely in Japanese. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. like today. Today you have uh, in the train system, you know, Japanese and English, always uh, both. But at this time, 40 years ago, um, there was no English signage. So everything was Japanese. And and so so it feels like, okay, you're on your own, always, no matter what you do. You, 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 you. In a way, it's lonely and it's not, you know what I mean? So you get, you, mm-hmm. you, you have to be a person who can handle loneliness or being with your own thoughts uh, good enough to, to, to get through a year without enough language skills for the language mm-hmm. you're traveling to. So um, then you have this, this routine, which, which, uh, which is always something between um, three big blocks. One is meditating, practice, just sitting and meditate. One is working in the monastery. You you work every day for a couple of hours, and uh, they change what kind of work you did uh, in the week or every other week. So could be that you worked on the field, or could be that you cleaned the the monastery inside the, the building. You clean the building, or or you were part of the kitchen cooking for for the monks. And so it changed. The work changed, and and whatever. But you work for a couple of hours. For then then you had this. I, I always say learning or studying. It could be mm-hmm. there was a um, there was a presentation from the from the then master. Uh, uh, talking about some of the some of the um, Buddha's lessons or whatever, so you learned something about Buddhism, or it would be you study on your own. So, but it's a very you know it's something like um, being being sitting in meditation, sit, work, study. So it was use your Use your brain, but not only use your brain. Also use your body for for the community, for your the community of monks, and for the community mm-hmm. itself. So so uh, we worked in the in the monastery, and sometimes we worked at elderly homes. So we cleaned the buildings, or did something, or whatever. And so it was always changing from from one week to week, but in a way, it was always the same um, procedure. Wake up, clean yourself, tea, maybe food, maybe not. Uh, meditate, work. Main main meal was at noon, and then after that, nothing till next morning. So, so mm-hmm. we had we had so one main main meal. That's it. And intermittent fasting. <laughs> yes. They did it for thousands of years, but we had we had uh, most of us had only a tea in the morning, and in the day we had a lot of tea, but had uh, a full meal 
at noon. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And and only for festivities, public Buddhistic Buddhistic holidays or something like this. You had maybe another meal, so two meals, but what ninety percent of the days of the year you had or ninety five percent of the days you had one meal a day, a lot of tea in between, and that's it. Right. There goes the tea. <laughs> There goes the tea. What would no. you say from today's perspective? Yeah. Um, what was the most important um, lesson to learn for a for a young a young person, a young man? Um, a lot, of course. Except the, for kneeing. <laughs> uh, I didn't didn't even learn that, but but anyway, uh, one is having a routine in your life having a structure for a day, a week, a month, a year. And okay, and now, that, wait, I would, mm -hmm. let, let us come back to that uh, that question in a, in, a, in a little bit, because there's one question that is uh, somehow daunting me already, um, because you are talking a lot about routines um, yes. and procedures. Yes. Um, and as you know, I'm a person who likes that as well, because for me, it's a lot of simplifying if I don't have to question and think about mm -hmm. what I'm doing next, mm -hmm. but if I can follow a procedure. On the other hand, people who are artists and highly creative, very often they need to not follow a routine. What do the monks, what do the Zen monks think about creative artists who are always a little bit chaotic? And who live into the day? Is this something evil, or is this something? No, no. They don't. They don't judge. This is something which you learn when you when you when you become a Zen monk or or a, 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 a student of Buddhism. That that's not about judging. Uh, this is better than the other thing. They mm -hmm. do it because exactly what you just said. Uh, the the monastery is structured in a way to give you as much capacity as possible and energy as possible to to meditate and to study they work because it's the right way as a human being they say there's a, a famous uh, saying in, in Japan which, which in, uh, translated into uh, no work no food so if you if you're not working you should not eat except you are ill. But if you are okay, you should work for your food. And so for them, it's, it's, it's connected. So you have to, to work mm -hmm. and you have to meditate. It's not, not only this uh, meditation is better than working. No, you work into, 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 The toilet, right? You, so you have to clean the toilet. They didn't have a water flush toilet we have in, in, in the rest of Japan. They have something like like when you go for camping. So just a hole in the ground. And so mm -hmm. somebody has to go in and dig it out and put it on the field. So you have you have all this. Uh, some, uh, you have Sometimes you have very dirty work. You have very tedious work. You have mm -hmm. very hard work. And it's part of that because I say that meditation is not only sitting on a, 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 a on the ground and meditate or sit on a pillow and meditate. 
meditation is also can also be found in in a in the way you work so you can work in a mindful way which is like meditation too so they call it work meditation so they call it a, a meditation while you work it's a working meditation so they work their meditation so they do the work while they they're in a, in, a, in a totally focused on on that so um and and they they the routine is taking away energy is is conserving energy for the meditation practice Mm -hmm. So you can follow your practice of meditation and you don't need to decide, do I put on a pink dress or a blue dress or a brown dress? Because every Zen monk has the same outfit. So it's a, it's a dark brown uh, a dress. So uh, it's always the same. So you have two of these, one for, uh, uh, for, for each season. So you have a, uh, uh, one for winter and another one you can wash and then another one for summer and then another one to wash. So you have four outfits, four dresses, and that's it. And hold on, I will show you something which I brought from Japan. If I found it. <laughs> uh, here we go. So this is, they, they can't see it maybe if you just hear us, but but this is what what you what you get when you when you get there. So you get a bunch of bowls, mm -hmm. which is used for your for your daily dishes. So so you get of course you get your chopsticks, and you get this thing which you can clean with a with a cloth. You can put on. Mm -hmm. You can clean clean the ones, and then you have this one, two, three, four, five bowls. And they, have, they and they all neatly fit into each other. <laughs> yes, very nice. Um, and and uh, so every monk get this. This is your your equipment for mm -hmm. your for your eating. This is your personal one. And then you get your dresses and maybe your your, your collection of, of 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 a book or two with uh, Buddhism signs or something, right? Something that you will learn later. And this is all you have. You have a, a pair of shoes and, and 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 that's it, right? So you have clothing, you have you have your bowls for, for your food and you have your your cup where you can drink your tea and that's all you need. So so and and, and they're not judging people of being <clears throat> creative or not. What they do is they have built a system which is perfect for pursuing um, meditation. Mm -hmm. So so they build it that you can meditate. The best way to operate as a as a meditator is in this kind of environment. You don't need to think about what you put on. You don't think about when will I wake up this morning. Everything is structured. You know, no energy is 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 wasted on on unnecessary decisions. So yeah, little that's confusion. Reason. No confusion mm -hmm. about anything. And then you have the and no session. and no Facebook, I guess. No, 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 nothing. So uh, in the secretary, of course, I have a secretary because it's a it's an also an economic entity. Uh, 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 
the temple is not running by its own, right? So so they have to to work on it, and so they they collect money and they use it to to renovate it, and you know you you need maybe a, a car to 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 go from A to B. So it's it's like a company, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it has there's a secretary and there's a cook and there's so there's a, lo- a lot of functions, and then they have you have this ordinary monks we're just studying buddhism and and um, the only change <clears throat> first of all you you need to know that in japan they had a little bit more seasons than we have so so originally they had i have to look it up it was something like 16 or 20 so they have a lot of seasons in the year so something everything was was a special period of a time so when the when this kind of tree gets blue, gets yellow leaves, then what? this is this whatever, right? When this so, is blooming, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. When this is blooming, and then there's a first time when the snow is melting is a small season in itself, and so um, they don't have this. They originally uh, in their tradition they didn't have this four seasons thing we have. So um, in this period, there are sometimes special special events sometimes uh, these are um, buddhistic festivities mm-hmm. buddha's birthday for example in april is a very big one all over japan and and so they have a lot of sometimes you have a week with something exciting going on because there's some change but they didn't need it it's just uh, yeah there's this special thing we do it they have something called called sessions, which are week long, uh, hardcore meditation practice. So uh, every couple of weeks, they do a, a week of very, very intense um, meditation practice. So they sit down for 10, 12, 15 hours a day uh, uh, to to progress in meditation, so to get better. And and so there's there's a flow and an app, an app and a flow from from hard to routine to easy routine to hard again, right? And and uh, which 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 is part of it. But but then you have this then you have this three blocks of of work. You have this kitchen work because if you if you have to cook for twenty or thirty people every day. Somebody has to prepare all this food. You know, you have to you, you eat a lot of carrots and <laughs> potatoes and uh, rice, and so you have to to wash, to to cut, to prepare, to cook, to whatever. And so it's a lot of a lot of physical work. And uh, then you have this work on the fields to to grow mm-hmm. vegetables and all that. And then you have the cleaning of the buildings. And so this is one of the three you will get every day. So you will will be. Uh, you will not be cooking, which, which is a very special job in the in the monastery, but you will pre- help to prepare the food. Maybe you mm-hmm. you work on, on on the onions or whatever. No, they don't eat onions, but 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 whatever. So so you work on on uh, on these parts, and and there's something they have a lot of small routines which are very weird in the beginning. Uh, when I started in the kitchen, they said. Uh, Oh, it's nice that you are here. The first thing we do is we clean the kitchen. Okay. And then you clean the kitchen. 
to be sure, it is a clean kitchen. But before you cook, you clean the kitchen. So you clean the kitchen before you cook. And the kitchen is clean before you cook. But you clean the kitchen before you cook. So you clean the mm -hmm. kitchen, then you cook, then you clean again. So why are they doing it? It's something like, okay, to be really in cooking, you have to prepare your mind and your body to not only prepare the, the ingredients, but to clean the kitchen, clean your, clean your mind and clean the kitchen. So it's cleaning. It's not like these obsessive cleaning of people getting some disorder. It's something mm -hmm. like you have to clean because it prepares your mind and your body for the work which will come when you cook. So they clean the kitchen before they cook. And they cook and they clean the kitchen. It's a little weird, but uh, honestly, I do it today still. When I cook, <laughs> I clean my kitchen, then I cook, then I clean the kitchen. So, so uh, I, I use that as, as a part of it. And, and every work is, is uh, you always try to be in the moment. This is today, it's, you know, it's a, just a saying, be in the moment, but The biggest But task for me, you mean? <laughs> the biggest task for all of us is being in the moment. And, and this is what they use different things to, to remind you on that. They, they, you hear a bell once in a while, which is nothing of a timekeeping thing, but just to get back to the present moment. So you work on the field. And I don't get, I don't know when or what or who is doing that. Some, some has the responsibility to every couple of whatever, couple of 20, 30, one hour, whatever time um, uh, to, to ring the bell. So they ring the bell or they, they punch, the punch the bell, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so you, you hear the bell and you stop. Come back to the present moment. You know, you're working on the field or you're cutting something and you maybe think about something else and then the, you hear the, the, the ringing bell and it's a reminder of coming back to the present moment. So they have built the small cues in the day to make sure that you always uh, come back to the, to the present moment. And then uh, some nights after work and having a, 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 your last tea or before you, you went to bed, We had these um, lectures from the Zen master itself. So he's explaining history or something, and, and he's maybe saying, I, I saw what you did. Of Japanese, of course, I didn't understand, but, but, but uh, or only roughly. So he is, yeah. he's explaining stuff uh, to the monks. He is picking some of them up and say, I saw that you were not really cleaning. You, your, your body was cleaning, but your mind wasn't there. So he's, he's picking some of the people out of the group and, and give them feedback. And then you had this, when, you, when there were these big intensive sessions, you had the one-on-one um, -on -one meetings with the Zen master itself. And he's mm -hmm. checking your, your progress. So progress you know, towards what? To what, if your mind is improving in... In, in in getting getting mindful so isn't that some kind of judgment yeah, probably he's he's giving you he's giving you feedback on on 
on your preparedness because there is an ideal which is which is uh, in 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 Buddhism to become a Buddha in a way yeah, become a Buddha and to become a Buddha your mind has to 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 let go of everything and not judging and being in the moment and everything they they are talking about and so they will give you they will give you questions unsolvable questions where you should come up with a creative answer uh, they call it koans so you get a koan and a very difficult question to answer which you can't answer with your logic you only can if your mind is prepared you probably maybe one day you come up with an answer and don't get hit by the master he said oh yeah yes you you did it and then you get another one and then after a couple of these they say yeah no now you are now you are in the state we think you you should be so now now you see the the, the truth and and so uh you have these sessions of very long meditation practice and in the night of these sessions uh you get the one on ones every monk at this one on one and then you have work and study for the next ones in a couple of weeks. So this is mm. a little bit the routine. And uh, on top of it, if you are still awake and still have energy left after a full day of everything, uh, you can study on your own on Buddhism. So you can you can study the, the scriptures and study okay. the, the books. What would you say could be, should be one of the Well, major lessons for today, today's society. What would help if we could implement it in our everyday life? A normal human being, you know, not living in a in a monastery. A monastery is easy to live in because everything is prepared to make you meditate, right? There's nothing else. No Facebook, no TV, no work mm -hmm. outside of the monastery work. And so uh, it's an easy and easy environment in a way for, for this purpose. Uh, the best thing I, I and I always try to, to help people to get there is, uh, first of all, uh, to get to a routine which, which, will, which will help you to structure life and make it a little easier to operate your daily life. Uh, second is learn to meditate. The simplest version of meditation you can learn is good enough. There's no better or worse or whatever. It's just different meditation forms. And just learn one which uh, which fits you as a person. Maybe maybe uh, some people love to have some some guided meditations like on on their iPhone, and then they listen to the meditation, right? And they they like that somebody is talking. Okay. Uh, some people like to have like like I learned when I was a small kid. Uh, to learn uh, breathing meditation, so they they just need some meditation where they count their breath. Others are getting exercises to to think about. Uh, I, I I whatever. Others have uh, have sounds to to re repeat in their mind uh, or saying them. So there are so many different ways, but in the end, it doesn't matter. You just need one which fits you. And and make it a part of your day. It's it's not you know it's not these you have to do it. It's not a must. It should be something which is like you you're brushing your teeth. It's like 
brushing your mind exercise, <laughs> like brushing your teeth for your mind. So it's 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 good enough. It's, even if it's only two three minutes, it's not needed. That it has to be twenty minutes, forty minutes, uh, an hour or mm-hmm. so. Uh, but just just sit down, stop. You do. And concentrate on your breathing for two, three, four, five minutes, whatever. And if you can do it two times a day, perfect. If you can do it two times a week, I'm fine. You know what I mean? It's it's nothing about it's 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 not a competition to win. I have a, a streak of 250 meditation sessions in a row. No, it's more you you, you know you do it and in, in the in in. Over uh, uh, plenty of years, you will you will see that it will help you to cope with um, the stuff which life throws at us. So, what is what is what is what is the result? We are not meditation for results, but you get results. You know what I mean? It's not it's not you're not doing it to get a result, but you get one. So, most people, um, you know, you. You get into the middle ground of your emotions. You get into the middle, so you're not you're you're you're, you're not going into the extremes. You uh, you you're handling your emotions better. Uh, if something happens, you keep calm. Uh, you're not getting angry most of the times. Yeah, you can get angry. You're not Buddha, maybe in the beginning, but. But in the long run, you you get easier. It gets easier and easier to do that. Um, so so uh, there's something like a calmness which comes into the life of people meditating for a while, uh, which which is is the the stuff which I I've seen every time people started in the long run, they get a little relaxed, calmer than before. Or a little lot, or a lot. What know. changed? What changed for you? Uh, two abilities. First of all, um, maybe three. Uh, spending a little bit more time in the present moment than before. But I'm doing it now for over forty, almost fifty years. Over fifty years now meditating. Um, so for me, it's normal, but but being a little bit more in the moment than than without meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, second is uh, being able to handle negative emotions in myself better than when I was younger. So so don't get crazy as often mm-hmm. as before. Uh, I'm I'm coming from a family where where most people were were getting crazy in terms of freaking out when something happens and so I'm not freaking out and uh, people say, most people say um, I I have an inner balance for them, they look from the outside and say it feels like you have an inner inner balance and probably it's true and so this is, it was coming from meditation, I know it's coming from meditation and the last and, and, and very important part is you learn how to focus your mind. So you're able to, <laughs> to, to concentrate better 
because of your meditation practice. So this is, it's not that you say I'm doing it to do that, to learn that, but it will come probably when you do it. So mm -hmm. if you were to go into a uh, Zen monastery now. Yes. What would you put your focus on? Huh. Uh, maybe en enjoying it more. <laughs> Not trying to to reach something, but just just being in the moment. You know what I mean? Just enjoying this this unbelievable cultural experience which you can have. This being behind the curtain thing, seeing seeing. And yeah. and you know you have these people. They are so so. If you you if you if you have have the opportunity to 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 meet with with monks, which being monks for a long time, they are so. They, you you have this feeling these people are in their own rock solid, yeah, like like rocks. You can't nothing can really get them out of balance. And even you know when when my when my Zen master was ninety some and he got sick. I mean he got really sick, so sick that in the end he 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 died because of that. And he got his diagnosis. He was laughing, and he was not crying and laughing at the same time. He was happy. And and and. and All around him, all people around him said, why are you happy? First of all, he said, come on, guys, we were born, so we will die. That's easy, right? So, of course, <laughs> when you will be born, you will die. Second, I don't have a disease which is infectious. So all my friends and all my monks and everybody else can visit me in the upcoming months. So they can accept stuff no matter what is coming in their in their way right so and so it's it's i have a very high admiration for these kind of people so, so they develop in this they're not perfect nobody is perfect but but they they change from whatever they were before to a better version of, the, of themselves and so if i would go again uh, i would at least try to 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 enjoy it more Mm -hmm. And now that we have listeners today, um, but we don't, uh, we don't, we don't see them personally right now. Yeah. Um, so the and and the only one uh, sitting in front of you being me. Um, let's uh, let's imagine you talk to to our listeners and take me as an example. One recommendation that you would recommend me to look into? Look for a comfortable place. Sit yourself into it. Don't overthink. Just sit down. Count your breath for a couple of minutes. And no matter what happens, enjoy it. You know, for some of us, it's the most boring thing you can imagine. For most people, it's Especially in the beginning, they, they for the first few meditation sessions, I, I I taught a lot of 
a lot of meditation classes in my life. Uh, not not as a professional, but just being helping people. They asked me, "Oh, you 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 learned meditation when you were five years old, yeah? Uh, can you can you uh, can you teach it? Sure, uh, sit down, we teach, right? Uh, I I will I will show you around. It's very easy to learn. And so in the fa- first few sessions they do, they have a lot of positive experiences. And so, yeah, wow, <laughs> this was unbelievable. What, 10 minutes gone, it felt like 10 seconds, you know, stuff like that. And then we try to uh, to repeat this experience all the time. So we, mm-hmm. we, we push ourselves, wow, this was a bad meditation. I had so many thoughts. Oh, no, this was a good one. This one was better. Uh, I wasn't sitting right, stuff like that. And and I believe the best thing is whatever is coming in your way, take it and do whatever you can do with that. So we will have you will sit down for five minutes, ten minutes, whatever doesn't matter. And uh, for some of us, you have a good day, it feels good, it's a good meditation. Sometimes it's like, oh, what kind of idiot am I, right? I'm sitting here, I have so much to do, so I should work, I should not <laughs> calm my breath. But if you do, in the long run, this calmness and this in the moment being and everything will will transform or expand over the day. So in the beginning it's just for the five minutes you sit there and then the ten seconds up of the meditation. If you do it as long as I do, it it sometimes it covers my my whole working day. You know what I mean? So I meditate for twenty minutes in the morning and it covers almost my whole day. Not every day, but some days. And then the, the other one is is a separator. If I do a second session at night, is my separator from work. So I'm I'm home, uh, not mm-hmm. at work with my mind when I'm stop. So and I would I would invite everybody listening to that just to try it. Just go and sit down, have a comfortable. You don't need to you know torture yourself like I did when I was young. Sitting on on a on a wooden floor for hours, but sit on a on a chair. It's easier to sit in the correct uh, posture for long for long time frames, and it's easier to concentrate. But uh, if there is a choice between no meditation in perfect form and a daily or a couple of days a week meditation in an imperfect or in a comfortable chair, go for the comfortable chair. So. Mm-hmm. You can do it on a train. You can do it on an airplane. You can do it when you when you commute for work or whatever. You can do it in the sun. You can do it. You can do it everywhere. Yeah, as long as you if you you can sit or you can even learn walking meditation when you walk from train station to your work. You can meditate while you're doing that. And um, so try to to put a little meditation practice in your life. And that's all. And and most people, they most people learning that. Uh, sometimes they stop for a longer time, and then they come back to meditation. Something like, oh, I I now I know it is good for me. It does something for me. I'm doing it again. Then maybe I lose it, forgot to do it, was so busy, and then I come back to meditating again. Mm-hmm. So so it's a little bit like a massage. It's you always do when you have a had have a massage. You say, oh, this was perfect, it was so nice, but then maybe you're not doing it every week, 
So then after half a year, you go again and you say, wow, that's great. Why am I not, what kind of idiot am I? I should do it every day. So it's the same with meditation. So just go okay. and try it. And in the, in the medium, short, medium, long term, it will, will be a small tool in your life to, to have a happy life. Let's go. Let's go and sit. Let's go and sit. Well, Tony, thank you. thank you. Thank yeah. you so, yeah, so much. Wow, we could talk uh, so much longer, I guess. Is there anything um, that you want our listeners to know about you? Nah. <laughs> Not really. Well, mm. if you do have a question, if you do have a question, uh, leave a comment uh, wherever you see this or um, just uh, head over to simplicityofhappiness.com and, uh, well, leave me a comment or write me. I'll put the two of you in contact if you want. If you want to learn anything more about uh, um, hypnosis, I wanted to say. No, no, that no, no, meditation. Very close. Um, I think the, uh, the state uh, that you enter can be um, quite, quite similar. Tony, I, as always, I enjoyed it. I a lot um i hope uh, to be able to have you back here for some other kind of uh, discussion anytime soon and um well thank you pleasure was all mine <laughs> well as always being fun on being on the show i'll talk to you soon thank you very much Tony. great day bye-bye